small church, <laughs> the offering music gets cut off real quick. <laughs> oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I, I told Joanne, I said, well, instead of having a long, long um, uh, offertory, go ahead and cut it down a little bit. doesn't take long for the plates to get back to the lobby. But I, I don't want to cut it too short, right? But, uh, boy, you caught me off guard there. All right. Let's take our Bibles this morning, please, and uh, let's turn over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one uh, within reach, and let's go to 1 Corinthians. You know, uh, today, uh, we pastors, sometimes we run into folks that like to complicate everything, and um, there are different religions that make it really hard to, uh, to be a Christian, and sometimes you have to jump through hoops and go through catechisms and fill out forms and applications and everything. And, and by the time you get uh, thinking that you're closer to the Lord a little bit, then somebody tells you you didn't do enough. And, and then somebody else tells you, well, that's not right. You got to do this and got to do that. And if, if, you, uh, if, if you're not careful, you can really get confused with all the different religions in the world. And you don't have enough time in one lifetime to learn everything about every religion. Is that right? There's just too many. And so a lot of folks just say, well, I don't want to just fooey on the whole thing. I don't want anyone to know. Uh, I'll, I'll just uh, trust that God loves me now. But there is a, a truthful way to look at our walk with God because there is a God. He does love us. He loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us in our place, substitutionary for us. Uh, so that we wouldn't have to work our way to heaven. We didn't have to earn anything. Uh, there's no way that you can earn your uh, spot in heaven. It's a gift. It, or eternal life is a free gift. Um, it's something that is given to us uh, because we have a need uh, for, for salvation. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Hold your place there, please. And uh, we're going to uh, just maybe discuss a little bit today about the basic um, the basic simplicity I, I should say of, of God and uh, salvation and the Bible it's uh, the old rugged cross is still still what we need and this old Bible this old-fashioned Bible right here that I hold in my hand it's never changed so the old rugged cross and the old Bible that's all we need that's all we ever needed. Father, thank you for this opportunity. We pray that you'll bless us, and we pray that you would uh, just bless each and every person here today. I want to thank you, Lord, for all the years that you've uh, been dealing with my own life, and many of us here have noticed that you have been working in all of our lives. Uh, Lord, uh, we pray and thank you for salvation that's full and free and forever uh, and for all. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would help us now to not be confused about this world. Help us to be simple in our belief in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm glad that uh, uh, as, I, as I witness to people down through the years, I find that there's lots of people that have, have been uh, inundated and saturated with one kind of religion or another. And there's some, there's some really strict religions out in the world. But I'm, I, I do thank God that I, I grew up in a home where we didn't go to church. You say, you're thankful for that? In, in everything, give thanks. 
for this is the will of God. I can look at the bright spot in that and I, I didn't get indoctrinated in something that was wrong. That's, that's a good thought, right? Uh, I was just a blank chalkboard when Jesus found me. And I'm glad I didn't have to erase a lot. Uh, I'm just glad. I'm just thankful for that. I didn't have any other religion. I didn't have any religion. But when I found Jesus, I had him. And that's, that's what happens. And that's what he'd like to do to all of us. So the simplicity of our, our walk with God is the subject this morning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse 17. You would have thought that Paul would have been uh, complicated, but he didn't. He was very, very simple. Look at verse 17. It says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now, uh, Brother Tim and I were talking about this, I think, last week. But anyway, Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And it says, now watch closely in your Bible, it should say, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross, verse 18, is to them that perish foolishness. But, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So there's a lot of people in the world that think that the preaching of the cross is it's just foolishness. But you and I don't think that. We think this is wonderful. This is powerful. It saved us. Look at verse 19 uh, all the way through 25. Here we go. For it is written, God says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the word by wisdom knew the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now notice in verse 22, the Jewish people in our world today, and we love them, we support them, we want them to never be uh, attacked. We, we believe that they are God's people. We believe they're special. And he called them the apple of his eye. But yet they don't believe in Jesus. Isn't that amazing how he could love a, a people so much and yet the Jews look at Christ as a stumbling block. Then the Greeks, in other words, the Gentile population, those that are not Jews, they, by and large, think that the cross of Jesus is just foolishness. I've, I've, met, I've met both kinds of people. Um, I've met some really strong Jewish people that didn't want anything to do with anything I said about the Lord. And then I've met the other side, too, where people say, Oh, church, yeah, I did all that. I've already been through that. I don't want, yeah, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. And so I've met just about every kind of, 
of attitude, and I've found that it is true. The Jews uh, have a stumbling block in Christ, and the Greeks think it's foolishness. But you know, the Bible teaches us there that the simplicity and the ease in which Jesus gave us the truth is, is not a complicated thing. Do you remember in the Bible, have you ever seen a story where the, the, the uh, uh, disciples had some people come and they brought a little child next to Jesus and, the, and they said, oh, get that child away. It's the master. We don't have time for little children. This is child's play. And what did Jesus do? He said, suffer the little children to come unto me for, for, for such is the kingdom of heaven and forbid them not. Don't, and he said them, he said, unless you come to me like one of these children, you'll have no part in the kingdom of heaven. That's a message to us today that your relationship with the Lord is a simplistic thing. It's not complicated. You don't have to learn all the Greek and Hebrew and all the scriptures and, and get all the doctrinal uh, truths and straighten out. No, that, that comes after you give your heart to the Lord. So that's the, the thing we're talking about today is that it is a simple thing. The old rugged cross and the old black back 1611 book, this old book and the cross, that's all you need. Jesus Christ saves us, and now he gives us a book, and it's a lot easier than, than you might think. Uh, the, the, would you agree this world's pretty complicated right now? I'm telling you, I'm swimming in it. I, I, have, I have so much that I disagree about that's going on in this world. Um, you know, one time my sister came to me and she said, Is everything wrong? Is everything a sin? And, uh, you know, I know what she meant. She said, is everything you do sinful? I mean, can, can I have fun doing anything? And uh, I understand her attitude. Because when you, when you get to the Lord, you, you, you have a new spirit. And you think, well, boy, that's wrong. I got to change that. I got to do that. I don't, I don't think it's good for me. But that's, that's such a complicated thing to try to figure out every little detail of, of this world's um, uh, problems and all that, I, I, I like to just keep it simple. Lord, I need you. That's a good prayer, right? Lord, would you be with me? Uh, how about this one? Lord, would you help me? Uh, how about this? Uh, Lord, I just want you to know I love you. How about this? I don't understand, but I know you do. You see, these simplistic calls of a little child, um, have, have you ever told your kids, uh, I'll tell you all about that later? <laughs> have you ever had to say that? <laughs> you, uh, well, you won't, you won't understand it right now, but I'll, I'll tell you later, right? Yeah. Uh, my dad, uh, he, he's such a blessing. Uh, he used to take me out, um, and uh, we used to go wood chopping out in the woods, you know, and we'd fill up the back of the pickup truck with uh, cut wood, and then we'd sell it. And back in those days... A whole cord of maple was only going for 40 bucks. I don't know what it costs now, probably two or 300 bucks. But we were out cutting firewood, and, and my dad said, pull the truck up here. And I said, okay. So I was learning how to drive, right? Just got my license and brand new at it. I think I maybe even just had my, my learner's permit. 
But it was an old 58 Ford, and it was an old beat-up truck, and we were out in the woods, and my dad said, uh, why don't you pull the truck up here? And I said, okay, I got in it, and I burned the clutch out. I mean, I burned the clutch. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but it doesn't smell good. And my dad came over and said, what is that? Oh, no, you burned the clutch out. Well, there was a big, um, there was a little stump about this high. It got cut off, and the tire, the front tire was wedged right in the curve of the stump, and I didn't know it, and the dumb thing wouldn't go forward, and I burned the clutch out. And I didn't understand. I was just brand new at it. But now, after knowing all these years how to fix stuff, I know what a clutch is now. And I, but I was too young to understand. You know, when you're first saved, you don't have to understand every single word of the Bible. You just uh, concern yourself with what you do know. Right? So the simplicity of the gospel is something that the Lord said, I, wa I want you to be, um, I, I don't want you to get away from the simplicity of, of your walk with God, the simplicity of the gospel. So let's go to Revelation chapter 14. I want you to see now that, of course, the word of God will always be with us. And then also, did you know that the word of God will never be uh, wiped out? The word of God will uh, live forever. Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Now, we have his word and we have the gospel. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 14. This gets really exciting because we, we have something so secure, so unchanging, and you never have to worry about whether or not the gospel is going to change. Now, let's go to chapter 14. Way back at the end of the book, we have verses 1, uh, 1 through 6 now. It says, and I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him a hundred forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne, and before the four uh, beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. These are special uh, folks that had a job to do. 144, they were not Jehovah's Witnesses. They were actually Jewish people, and they had a job to do. And the God's giving you a vision about the future when all the world's falling apart. There's 144,000 are going to, what are they going to do? Watch. These are they which are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. They are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, for they got saved in the, in the great tribulation, being the first fruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven. Watch this. This is amazing. This angel came down from heaven. I believe the 144 are, are going to be involved with this. But what are they, what are they doing? They're going to uh, have the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and 
kindred and tongue and people. Do you see what God's doing there? He's going to give everybody a chance to hear the gospel when the whole world is falling apart. And believe me, if you read the Bible at this particular junction in the book of Revelation, there's a lot of problems that are facing the world. Now, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't, I'm not a prophet. I just know that God has made many promises to us that He will keep. Um, I know that Russia and Iran and China and Ukraine and Europe and, oh, everybody's all nervous and everybody's wondering what's going to happen, the global economy and the money market and the nuclear bombs and all the threats. And it's almost this, this, this fomenting of all this fear. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's all on the news, the, the uh, prognosticators and the, and the, uh, uh, the uh, journalists and the, the anchors and everybody are all speculating what's going to happen, what are we going to be going through. You know, if you, just, if you just turn off all that for just a minute and just read your Bible, then, then you know what's going to happen. And I don't know how God's going to do it, but I know He's never made a mistake with me so far. He's never made a mistake in my life. He's never made a mistake in my family, my church, my friends. Everybody that I know that loves Jesus Christ are doing just fine. You know, I'm not going to get worried about I just know that there's an everlasting gospel. This gospel is going to be preached until the last person on earth has a chance to receive Christ. He, he said that. Go, he told us, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. God promised that He'd be with us. He promised that the work is all His. So the simplicity of your Christian life is not something that you're going to find in religion. You're only going to find it at the cross and in your Bible. That's where you're going to find the simplicity. Uh, we're not supposed to get all complicated. You say, well, then that means you're not very educated. Oh, I'm educated. Uh, I didn't get A's in college, but I graduated. <laughs> and I did get edumacated. Uh I hope you understand that the wisdom of this world, they think we're a bunch of hayseeds, boy. They don't understand us at all. But I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't trade what God has done in my heart for a, a, you know, a doctorate from MIT. If I had a choice, I'd take both. But uh, I was so scared of college when I got out of, of uh, high school. I thought, I can't do it. All these people are smarter than me. They're all getting going and getting um, scholarships. And my goodness, I know that girl. She's an A student. She's going to college. I know that guy. Man, he's smart. And I thought, oh, man, I can't take any more of this. i got to get out of here. I've had too much learning. I'm going to graduate. I'm going to go into the Navy. Oh, my goodness, I escaped the uh, intelligentsia and the, and, and the education system. And then after the Navy, I said, you know what? I think I can do it. I'm going to college. And uh, I, I tell you what, if you go to college, do your best to finish. Amen.
And the day came when I thought, I did it. I actually finished four years of college. I was the first one in my family to get educated like that. I loved it. I was wearing a cap and a gown. And uh, if you're really smart, you won't mess up. You know, you're supposed to grab the degree with your left hand and shake with your right. I got that right. And then the tassel, I turned the tassel on the right side, too. I did it right. I got educated. Listen, I like the simplicity of what God does for us. And we, we are people that we, we don't want to veer away from. Turn with me back to 2 Corinthians. I want to show you something here. The simple truth of the gospel, the simplicity that is in the Lord. If God can deal with boys and girls and grandmas and grandpas, and uh, he can also uh, lock horns with a doctor. You know, he, he went to the uh, Passover in Jerusalem at the age of 12 years old, and, and he stayed there for three days, and he was debating and arguing with the doctors and the lawyers. Jesus, he knew his Bible, but he had enough love and concern for, for people like us. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us we're supposed to condescend to men of low estate, um, and that's that's fine to do. Listen, I think I think everybody ought to get as much education as you can, uh, but um, you know, n much knowledge does puff puff up. Second Corinthians chapter number eleven. Look at verse number one. The simplicity of our walk with God. It says, "Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly." And indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, Paul was worried about churches getting corrupted with too much knowledge. Now, you have to be careful with that. But it says, verse 4, For if he that cometh preach, preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, you might uh, well bear with him. Do you know that um, there are other gospels in the world? There's other testament. In other words, there, there's one religion, and right on their Bible it says another testament. There's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, what's the other testament? It's a cult. you got to be careful. Uh, there's all kinds of uh, error out there. Um, there. In fact, uh, up where I live in Linden, there's uh, what they call um, uh, covenant theology, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but they took um, Old Testament circumcision. Uh, every, and Jesus was circumcised. Every little boy had to be circumcised. Anyway, they took, and, and uh, Abraham was circumcised, and all, all of his. So uh, that, was, that was an Old Testament um, command. And so what they said was, and these, these folks believe it, that uh, baptism uh, for babies now replaced the circumcision. And so that's why they baptized little boys and girls. 
So they made a terrible mistake in con trying to connect Old Testament circumcision to baptism, and that's not why you get baptized. So they say that if you uh, keep that covenant, then it's more likely that you'll get saved. That's why they baptize babies. Let me tell you what, what, uh, what, what happens when they baptize a baby. They get wet. <laughs> That's it. Those little babies don't have any idea what's going on. They don't get washed from their sins. They just get wet. And mom and dad go, isn't that great? And God says, no, it's not. See, now you say, oh, that's so unkind. No, I'm just telling you that uh, there's not one single baby in the Bible that ever got baptized. I had a discussion with a, a doctor up there. Now, I don't, I don't hate these people. I just think they've made a terrible mistake putting that in church. See, Jesus, Jesus doesn't want you to take your baby and get it baptized. And he's, he even said circumcision doesn't mean anything anymore. In fact, if you don't get baptized, you can still go to heaven. And uh, and by the way, that was that was just something for for boys anyway. What about the poor little girls? What do, what do they do to get to heaven? Well, they have to believe in Jesus now, just like anybody else. So you see, baptism had nothing to do with salvation, nor does it uh, have anything to do with uh, circumcision. So that that's just a little a deeper thing that I'd like to. Uh, let you know there's a lot of complications that the world uh, goes into it now the the fact remains let me tell you the let me tell you the real story here uh, the day I decided that I wanted Jesus to be my savior and the day that was that was the day I made it I made it made sure of it I said I want to be saved I want Jesus as my savior I got down my knees by my bedside, and I, I prayed and asked him to come into my heart. I got saved. That's, if I'd have died two minutes later, I went to heaven. You say, preacher, can you prove that? Sure can. What happened to the thief on the cross? He died right after he called on the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Isn't that great? I love the simple truth of the gospel the simplicity of the Bible. We don't want to frustrate people in church. We don't want them to say, uh, walk, walk out saying one day, boy, I just got so much work to do before I can have a relationship with God. <laughs> no. I heard a guy put it this way. Uh, a guy falls off a ship and he's going to drown. And uh, a fellow with a life preserver, he's sitting on the, on the deck, you know, and he's got this big, long rope, and uh, he throws the life preserver into the water, and it splashes right by the guy, and the fellow says, no thanks, no thanks, I'll do it myself, I'll swim. Say, hey, grab a hold of the life preserver, you're never going to make it. Yeah, yes, I will, and he dies out there, not having ever just, Put, him, put the life preserver around him and have, have the guys on the deck just pull him up and save him. That's the, that's the simplicity of the gospel, just accepting the fact that God wants to save us. I, I wish the world would get 
uh, uncomplicated. I wish the world would understand. Look at Matthew 16 and uh, verse number 18. Matthew 16, 18. So we have a very simple book. Uh, it is deep, but it is simple. And when we read the Bible, what we find is that we don't understand all of it at the same time. It's not like a, a novel that you just read. It's, um, it, it, if you read it every day, you'll grow every day. If you read it uh, real fast, you'll, you'll, you'll learn. But if you take time to look at the Scripture, and uh, what, ha what, what happens is God will put, uh, put you in touch with different things in the Bible that He wants you to have at that time. So when I first read the Bible, I didn't know anything about it. But through the years, I began to learn more, and it was always simple. All right, let's look at Matthew 16 and verse number 18. Jesus said to the disciples, uh, verse 13, excuse me, Who, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus asked them in verse 15, he said, But whom say ye that I am? Uh, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now that's not a complicated statement right there. It's not confusing to me. Uh, Peter just said, You're the Christ, you're the Son of God. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, my Father in heaven. Blessed art thou, Peter. Uh, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. You know what Evergreen Baptist Church is built on? It's not built on money, because we proved that. It's not built on good looks, because I'm proving that. Some of you are proving it, too. Um, it's, not, it's not built on <laughs> education. It's not built on uh the government is not built on man. Uh, it's, it's built on Jesus. It's built on the fact that we believe in Jesus Christ. And that's a real simple thing. But, you know, that's the rock that that's the rock I'm building my life on. You say, where's the depth in this message? It's pretty deep if you think about it. He's the cornerstone of everything that God wants to do in the world. And the builder said, oh, we don't want Jesus. Oh, you threw away the cornerstone. Oh, did you ever make a bad mistake? Well, that's the best cornerstone. It's perfect. It's got the dimensions. If you're going to build a building, you always start with a corner. You have to have some kind of corner. Uh, they surveyed this lot here. We have one acre. And uh, I was weed whacking back there and mowing, and I saw this big pipe. And I said, hey, there's the, there's, the, uh, there's the locator. You know, and I looked down the pipe. There's this little stake in there. And that's when the surveyor guy pounded the stake, got the transit all set up. He shot the azimuths or whatever they are and got the datums for all the levels. And, and we have an acre here. But without, without a surveyor to set the corner, we wouldn't even know where we're supposed to be. And remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Don't you let the gospel go away from your heart. Don't you, don't you believe in some other Jesus and don't believe in some other gospel. This is the rock of Jesus Christ. This is what you build your life on. This is the cornerstone. This is the foundation that he gave us. We, you and I are actually living stones 
that built on the house of Jesus Christ. We're, we're, he's our rock and we're little stones. We're, we're part of the bricks of his house. Um, look, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's real important that we realize today that God, he's not impressed with all the corruption and the complication of this world. I, I just love, I love just saying, hey, let's just get down to the reality of life. Uh, some preacher in California, Jack Treber, he's got a book out. It's a little pamphlet. It's got the, all these questions, uh, how to answer all these problems of life, alcoholism, addictions, anger, and you go through all these, um, all kinds of marital problems and all this, and he says, you can look up the answer to this problem here, and uh, the whole page is, Go to church, go to Sunday school, give to the Lord, pray, and sing. He's got a list of things that you're supposed to do in church. And then you look up the other problem, uh, uh, but anger, and you go to page four. And the whole entire pamphlet has the same thing on every page. Go to church, be faithful. To, uh, it's just it's too simplistic for some people. But you know what I found? That's exactly what happened to me. I got into church. And I stayed there, and my goodness, everything seems to work. My marriage is incredibly wonderful. My kids are something to be much, much proud of in, in a good way. You can understand that. And I don't want to embarrass them, but my church is healthy. We have no drama. We're not, we're not, we're not under some kind of dramatic problem. Uh, no trust has ever been broken. We don't. We don't. We don't have five, six hundred people. But you know what? I'm really happy. You just stay in church and keep going and do the simple things. You say, "What's one of the simple things I can do to improve my life?" Get down and pray, and don't stop and say, uh, uh, "Come, our Jesus, be our guest. Let this food to us be blessed." Uh, hope your prayer life is a little more than that. Thank you for the food, right? Have a prayer life. Uh, that's, that's, that's how to keep things really sweet in your life. Read the Bible a little bit, at least every day. You say, well, how, mu how, many, how much of the Bible are you supposed to read every day? Well, that's up to you. I'd say let's just get going, though, because <laughs> time's a-wasting, amen? I don't know. Uh, uh, reading the Bible through is a wonderful thing. We challenge people to do that. But look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 1. I'm going to finish up here. The, the simple truth is what we need. Look at verse number 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty and not, uh, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifest but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, should, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. One day the light of the gospel came into my heart, it came into your heart. 
it's shining ever so brightly at this very day. Now, remember, Jesus did die on the cross. He was buried, and he did uh, uh, rise the third day. We're coming up on Easter, right? You know, we celebrate his resurrection, don't we? It is a truth. He really did rise from, raise from the dead. He was raised from the dead. And then he's alive today. He answered prayer. He blesses. He gives peace. And, you know, as long as there's one sinner on the face of this earth, God will reach that sinner with the gospel. As long as there's one person on the earth, God, God will do his work. Now, our forefathers, you know what they did was they, they, they ran away from tyranny and uh, despotism, and they became free. And God says, stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. So if you're saved, just walk like you're saved, act like you're saved, and believe like you're saved, and trust God, but don't go back and get entangled into the things that God saved you from, right? Everybody with me? God saved us not only to go to heaven, but he saved us to get out of the troubles that we're in, and he does do that. It takes a while. Um, you know, there's some scars for, for what we have done in our past, but God, God says, no, so I know you're scarred. I know you had some trouble. I know that, but that's what I'm saving you from. I'm, I'm giving you a new life. The thief on the cross had some scars, didn't he? Uh, when, they, when they put nails in his hands and feet, just like the Lord, he was scarred. But you know what? The simplicity of our belief in Jesus Christ will keep us, keep us safe and keep us from a lot of trouble. And today, I want to re remind you that our gospel is in just two things I want you to think about. The old rugged cross. You can still go back to that cross and you can still trust that Jesus died for you, shed his blood for you. And then that old-fashioned gospel is still alive today. Uh, I'm glad we don't have two or three different gospels to preach. I'm, we just got one gospel. And boy, I'm still trying to preach it. Been preaching it for 40-some years, but you know what? Uh, I'd like to get better at it. I'd like to get better because it's just a wonderful story. Let's bow our heads for prayer this morning. And if, if you're here today and you've never really accepted Christ as your personal Savior, remember, you, you, you don't have to take a class to find out how to do that. Uh, it's wonderful to take a drink of water. It's wonderful to turn on a light. It's wonderful just to eat a piece of bread or open a door. And it's wonderful to accept Christ as our personal Savior. I'm glad I only have to get saved one time. And I'm so wonderfully glad that that, that that transaction's been complete. And I hope today that if you're here and you're not sure, that you could think about these words that God doesn't want to complicate your life. He wants to s uh, simplify it. And Jesus, he's the only Savior that you have to deal with. He's the only one. Your pastor can't save you, and your church can't save you. Uh, your church can't answer prayer. Your, your, your Lord can, though. Your Savior loves you more than anybody. He's the only one that you can call your great shepherd. He's the only door. He says, I am the door. I am the resurrection. I'm the good shepherd. I'm glad Jesus is the only one 
with whom we have to do. Lord, today we thank you for this wonderful book. We thank you for our church and all the people that you brought today. I pray that we'd get excited about living for Jesus. And I pray that you'll help us, Lord, to be faithful and give us a good crowd tonight. I pray that our fellowship this week would be wonderful. Bless Tim as he's on the road with his buddy. And Lord, we pray that those that didn't make it today would be blessed. And we ask now and thank you in Jesus' name for this simple gospel that you've given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.